0: Good morning. Good morning. My name is Valerie Leonard. I'm the founder of Nonprofit Utopia, and I want to welcome you to today's, I would call it a workshop, but it's really not. um, Today's live stream, we're going to be focusing on the forms that nonprofits tend to forget. All right. All too often, you know, the nonprofit leaders remember to form, file 1023, which is the application for tax exempt status. And they also remember that they need to file their articles of incorporation. But there are a number of forms in between that article of incorporation that you file and the actual application for form 1023. And then there are forms that you need to be filling out, you know, after that. All right. So today we're going to talk about those forms. If you can just bear with me, I'm going to share my screen. And in the meantime, if you could just indicate your name and where you're from, any questions that you might have as it relates to filling out these forms. All right. So again, we're going to be talking about the forms that nonprofits forget to file. And Mark Sims, I see that you have shared this. Thank you so much if you're watching. I really appreciate you. All right. So one of the most common forms that nonprofits forget to file is Form 990. And Form 990 is a form that nonprofits have to file instead of Form 1040. You know, we think that, you know, just because, you know, we have a nonprofit organization and we're tax exempt, that we don't have to file any taxes. And that's absolutely true. But your Form 990 is, is a um, information return, and you have to disclose information. So in return for getting your tax exempt status, nonprofit organizations are required to file more information with the public and the public meaning the IRS, all right? So form 990 is due five and a half months after your fiscal year end. So if your fiscal year end is in December, that means May 15th. If your fiscal year end is in June, then your uh, your form is due November 15th. All right. And every nonprofit organization, I don't care how new you are, has to file form 90 or some what we call derivative or type of form 990. And what this chart tells you is the the, uh, various forms of form 990 and when you should file it. And, you know what um, form you should file, given your size. So organizations that are making under $50,000 a year, they are required to file the postcard or form 990N. There are no instructions. They're assuming that you can just go on and you know be prompted online. So the advantage to this is it's a very quick process and if you don't do it you know provided that you know your organization makes under fifty thousand dollars you know the the penalties for not filing are pretty small the disadvantage to not um the disadvantage to using the postcard instead of a full form 990 is the fact that uh, your 990s are uh, posted On the IRS website, they're posted on GuideStars website and a number of other websites. And there may be funders who are looking for you know people to fund. And if they don't see a Form nine ninety for you, they don't have any information to really go on to give you you know to make sure that they are funding you. So that's one disadvantage. But again, it's really really quick to do the postcard or the nine ninety in online. For those organizations that have less than $200,000 in the bank coming in every year and assets of less than $500,000. So when we talk about gross receipts, we're talking about the money that comes in through fundraisers, money that comes in through grants. And when we talk about the assets, we're talking about cash in the bank. We're talking about your building. We're talking about equipment. So if your gross receipts are under $200,000 and you have total assets of less than a half million dollars, then you have a choice of filing form 990-EZ or filing form 990. The difference between the two forms is, you know, just like we do the 1040, the long form and the short form, 1040-EZ is the short form. The 990 requires a little bit more disclosure. And, you know, each of those forms does have instructions. And for me, I would recommend where possible to do the long form, you know, because that's even more disclosure. And really, the more information you provide the public, the greater your chances of getting funding, you know, because people feel that you don't have anything to hide. All right. So our next category is for organizations, you know, you make more than two hundred thousand dollars. So that could be anything over two hundred thousand dollars. It could be in the multi millions. you know, like hospitals and universities. And if you have. Oh, I'm sorry. Or it's an either or or if you have assets of greater than five hundred thousand dollars. Right. So again, your assets are things like money in the bank, your building, your equipment. At that point, you have to file the full Form 990. And if your organization is a private foundation, then you have to do the Form 990PF. And for those of you who are looking up funders and trying to figure out, you know, what the funder is up to. I would strongly recommend that even if you're not a private foundation that you look at the funders private foundation form 990 PF, because not only will it tell you information about that funder, but it'll also indicate the list of people that they funded or you know, not people, but the organizations that they have funded and the amounts. And that'll give you a really, really good idea of what they're looking for and who they're looking for when they make funding decisions. And the penalties for not filing or for late filing form 990, if your organization is under 50,000, you know, there are no penalties for filing the e-postcard, all right? However, you know, don't get into the habit of not filing the e-postcard because if you do that for three years in a row, you will lose your tax exempt status. All right. So organizations with revenues less than a million dollars have to pay a penalty of $20 a day for every day the return is late for every return. All right. So if you got Three outstanding returns, you know, multiply that by three. And, you know, it's already pretty expensive if you have one year, but, you know, multiply that by three. And the maximum penalty is $10,000 or 5% of your gross receipts, whichever is less. Now, if you have an organization that's over a million dollars, that penalty is significantly higher. It goes up to $100 a day to a maximum of $50,000 for every return. So just think about that. If you got three returns that you didn't do, you know, that can be pretty steep. And again, it's pretty bad if it's just one return. And again, any organization, regardless of your size, regardless of whether or not you're just doing the postcard or the full. 990 if you fail to file this form for three years in a row you will automatically lose tax-exempt status and then you know what happens if you lose it you know some organizations really don't realize what it is you know that they're required to do there are organizations that honestly don't know that they're supposed to file for 990 on an annual basis I've worked with some and they have either been threatened with losing their tax exempt status and then in the worst cases you know I've seen where people have actually lost their tax exempt status but don't worry if this happens to you the very first thing you do is figure out why this happened right you want to talk very openly with all the stakeholders and And in this case, the stakeholders would be your board board members, your staff, again, figure out what happened, um, how you can fix it, if it can be fixed, if you even want to fix it. You know, some organizations decide just to go out of business altogether rather than try to go through this process all over again. Because what happens when you lose your tax exempt status, you really have to file a new application for tax exempt status. And then when you do that, you also have to file all of your back returns. And even if you don't lose tax exempt status, if you're being threatened with losing um, your tax exempt status, you still have to go back and file all of your returns. You need to uh, develop board and financial policies to make sure that this doesn't happen again. You should also develop a compliance calendar that is a calendar of all the forms that you need to file on the state level, on a local level, on a federal level. You know, what forms, who's responsible, when it needs to be filed. And um, also, you need to communicate with your board, your funders, and um, any other stakeholders. You know, this is not necessarily something you want to. Um, tell the community about, but if asked, you definitely need to be um, open and honest, but you definitely want to keep in contact with your board members, your staff, um, the people who are giving you money, people who could potentially give you money, right? So, you know, just to make sure that they are on board. And while you're fixing this, If your organization decides that they want to continue in business um, and if you want to continue to uh, provide programs and services and raise money, then you will have no alternative but to get a fiscal agent to collect that money for you until you can get this problem resolved. All right, so after you do that, Resolving means filing your Form 1023 again with the IRS, you know, going through that same process and filing all the returns that you did not file in the first place. Now, if you find yourself being threatened, you know, you haven't been to a point where you have actually lost the tax exempt status, but you're being threatened because you didn't file for three years in a row. The rules are pretty much the same but you also would consider uh, writing a letter of abatement. And the letter of abatement is basically a letter that is letting the IRS know what happened, why it happened. You know, you give them a good reason for not filing this form in time. And then you share with them a plan that you have, you know, to keep it from happening again. And if they approve, then they will um, withdraw their action they won't charge you any money Um, but you know if you don't file you will definitely have to pay late fees penalties and interest all right another form that people forget to file is ag 990 il now i'm speaking from the perspective of illinois organizations and every state has their own rules, but in the state of Illinois, you have to file the equivalent of the 990 at the state level. So that will be just like, you know, for us personally, we do the form 1040 and then we file a 1040 IL on the state level. So in the state of Illinois, you do the 990 on the federal level, and then you do the form AG 990 IL on the state level and here is a picture of the form and basically what this is is you know financial disclosure it's very summarized information and this you know this is due at the same time that you do the form 990 on the federal level so when you're doing your federal 990 you should also be doing your state 990 and that's due five and a half months after your year end, and your year end um, could be June, it could be December, it could be October, etc. The filing fee is $15, and the penalty for late filing is $100 for every late return. And another form that people, um, may not know about, you know, you know, when you're new to starting your payroll, you know, if you're trying to do this yourself in-house without really consulting quote unquote the professionals, you could get yourself in a lot of trouble for not filing payroll taxes. And you do that on form 941. And that is a federal form. It's a quarterly form. All right, so you're basically using Form 941 to report income tax that is withheld. So your employees, income tax, any um, Social Security, any FICA, right? So anybody has to file Form 941 if they have $2,500 or more um, due in any one quarter. All right, so again, you have to file income tax. And this is these are the taxes that have to be deposited. The income tax that's withheld from your employees. And then you also have to uh, have the Social Security and Medicare tax withheld from your employees, and then the social cure social security and Medicare tax, your portion so there's three sections you know that which you withhold from the employee and then the employer's withholding and then the employer's share for social security all right so you also need to make sure that there is a difference in your responsibility to file and your responsibility to pay you're responsible for doing both and you're um, liable for penalties and interest in the event that you don't report and in the event that you don't file. So here is a picture of um, form 941. And you know, this is basically, you know, as I indicated before, you know, this is any. Uh, wages that you have paid now these are the instructions regardless of whether you're for-profit or nonprofit you as a nonprofit don't need to you know be worried about the tips from your employees but you should include the federal income tax that you withheld and the employers and employee share of FIca all right so after you file your first form, 941, you have to file a return every quarter, even if you don't have to pay any taxes. So again, you're required to file and you're required to pay. All right. So the only time you don't have to file is if you decide to dissolve the corporation and you're going out of business, right? Or if you employ farm workers, which typically doesn't apply to nonprofits, if you employ seasonal workers, if you employ domestic workers, and those typically don't apply for nonprofits. So you have to file Form 941 by the last day of the month that follows the end of the quarter. So for example, the first quarter ends March 31st, you have until April 30th, in order to file form 941. So, as you can see from this chart or these two charts, the penalties for filing form 941 is extremely or they they are extremely high. Right? So, this chart gives you an example, you know, so for example, you underpay or you fail to pay $3000 in this case. If you're anywhere from 1 to 5 days late, days late the percentage of of penalty is 2%, you know, assuming $3000 and then you would have to pay $60. Anywhere from 6 to 15 days late, the penalty for underpayment goes up to 5% you know, so this is based on your balance. And that translates into $150, you know, if the balance is, for example, $3,000. If you're more than 16 days late, then the underpayment rate um, goes to 10%. And that could be $300, assuming your balance is $3,000. If you're more than 10 days late after the IRS sends you a bill, then the penalty goes up to 15%, or the rate is 15%, and the penalty is $450. All right, so this is just an example. So, in addition to the above deposit penalty, so again, this is failure to deposit, you have You also have to be subject to penalties if you file forms 940, 941, or 944 late, or don't pay the amount due on the return. All right, so other penalties, the failure to file penalty is 5% per month of unpaid tax on the due date and is reduced by the... Amount of the failure to pay penalty for the same month for a maximum of 25%. And then there's a penalty for failure to pay, and that's one half percent per month on top of all of these other penalties, right? And then one percent per month if you get to a point where the IRS is sending you a letter saying they intend to levy right? And the maximum is 25%. So businesses and nonprofits have literally gone out of business just because they did not pay payroll taxes. And I've seen organizations make the mistake of, of saying, well, you know, you know, because they have that option that they could pay their uh, their withholding taxes at the end of the year, pay them all, and you know, they live off the rest of the year. And sometimes they can do that because they've managed to set aside the money, but in most cases, they have not taken the time to set the money aside. And when those taxes are due, they don't have money to pay for it, right? And and then that's what sets in sets this ball to rolling. And you know, again people have lost their businesses because they did not pay the taxes. Even if you're just a single person shot with just one person on the payroll, I strongly recommend that if this is not something that you really know how to do, um, that you would use a payroll service and let them handle it for you. They would be responsible for doing all the filings on a quarterly basis but every month, they would take some money out of your account um, and, and keep it in escrow so that you don't have a problem finding the money. All right, so again, we talked about some of the penalties for late filing, but on top of those penalties, you gotta pay interest and the rate is set quarterly and historically it's gone anywhere from 2% to 6%. And on top of that, there's a 10% avoidance penalty assessed when deposits are not made. And so when we're talking about deposits, we're talking about the payment. All right, so here is form 941-IL and this is again, the state's A state of Illinois and every state, I'm sure, um, their Department of Revenue has some similar mechanism in place for collecting income tax for, you know, employees, right? So, this is just a state uh, counterpart to Form 941. So, if you paid any wages, salaries, or gambling winnings that you're subject to Illinois withholding, you have to form, file form 941-IL. So again, this is due at the same time that the federal form is due. And you have to do it quarterly and is due one month after the quarter ends. Again, so if the first quarter ends in on March 31st, you have until April 30th to file. Another form people forget to file, and and these are one-time only files, you know, once you file them once, you don't have to ever file them again, but many organizations don't realize that they have to file these forms, and in the state of Illinois, these are forms that you use to register with the attorney general's office. Every state has their own requirements, and usually the Attorney General's office in your state is responsible for regulating fundraising for nonprofits. So the forms may be called something different. But in the state of Illinois, those forms that people use to put the attorney general's office on notice that they're doing fundraising are forms CO1, which is um, CO stands for charitable organization. One, you got the CO2 and the CO3. So form CO1 is for startup organizations. You know, your organization is. usually less than a year old, right? And this information for Form CO1 basically indicates, you know, who who you are, who your registered agent is, um, who's on your board, and the types of fundraising you'll be engaging in. And then Form CO2, if your organization is less than one year old, you're going to file that to indicate your financial performance. So you'll talk about how much money has come in, how much money has gone out, and you'll also indicate your assets. Form CO3 is for religious organizations and religious organizations don't have to disclose um, you know, information you know, like organizations, um, like nonprofit organizations, they don't have to do the form 990. Now going back to the organizations that are secular in nature, if your organization is more than one year old, you don't do the form CO2. You actually have to do a form AG 990IL. This is in the state of Illinois and that will give a financial summary of your organization's activity for the year. All right, so the next form that people forget, oh, I'm sorry. If you don't file these forms in a timely fashion, you do have to pay $100 late fee, otherwise it's $15. Another form organizations forget to file. Again, we're so focused on starting our organizations, you know, working with the Secretary of State's office, working with the Attorney General's office, that we don't register with the Illinois Department of Revenue, right? Um, The Illinois Department of Revenue and other states, you know, all states have a Department of Revenue and they're um, charged with collecting taxes. So even if you're, a tax-exempt organization, or you plan to become tax-exempt, you need to register with the Department of Revenue, at least in the state of Illinois. So, you need to check the requirements. If you're not from the state of Illinois, you need to check the requirements for your own state. And you would disclose the information that they're asking for. And basically, they're looking to know what type of organization this is, you know, who your board members are and all of that. So you need to file Form Reg 1 or you can file online through the Illinois Business Gateway. Another form organizations forget to file is the Form Stacks form, right? The form STAX-1 is for exemption from state sales tax. And this is for the state of Illinois. And when you apply for tax-exempt status, you need to not only fill out that STAX-1 form, but you need to add your articles of incorporation, your bylaws, your IRS letter to show that you are tax-exempt, your most recent financial statement. And if you are a religious organization, you don't have to share any financial information. You talk about what your organization does. So you're going to give a brief narrative that explains your purposes, your functions, any activities, and then any articles, any marketing collateral, that's stuff like brochures, copies of your website, etc. All right. And I should caution you that if you are an economic development agency, your chances are slim to none of being exempt, at least in the state of Illinois, from tax uh, sales tax. All right. So if you want to renew this and you have to do this every year, you have to do you have to follow the same instructions as you do for first time applicants. But in this case, you're going to include your E99 number. So it's so it's gonna be a copy of your current exempt letter, you know, exempt from sales tax with your E99 number. And this is basically you know, what those forms look like. This is what the stacks one looks like. And this is what the page looks like for um, on this uh, Illinois Department of Revenue website, so you can file this electronically. All right, so apparently I got this a little bit out of order. Um, the penalties for late filing payroll taxes on the state level are you know, one, you can get a late penalty for not filing, and then a late payment penalty for not. Pain. And then there's a bad check penalty of $25 if your check bounces. All right. So in the state of Illinois, you've got the penalty for late filing state roll, state payroll taxes. Tier one is the lesser of $250 or 2% of the tax required shown due. So 2% of whatever you owe or $250. the return is filed on time, but you can't be, you know, for whatever reason, you might have made a mistake. It can't be processed. Um, You have 30 days to make the correction. Otherwise, tier one is going to kick in. Tier two kicks in is if you don't file a return within a month of receiving a notice of non-filing. So on top of that, $250 from tier one, you're going to have to pay another penalty of $250 or 2% and the additional penalty can't be more than $5,000 and get this, the penalty will be assessed even if there are no taxes due. So they take very, very, very seriously your filing. So not only do you have to file, but you have to pay. All right, so the penalty for late payment, if you're one to 30 days late, is 2%. If you're more than 30 days late, it goes up to 10%. All right, so this next set of forms, form 105.10. This is for form this this first one is for changing your registered agent right and your registered agent is the person in your organization that receives all of the government notices you know um, telling you that you have to file XYZ form. They receive all of your legal notices. And whenever you change that person, you have to um, file form NFP 105.10 slash 105.20. So that comes into play if you change the person or if you move. Um, Tell your horror story about a client I worked with who didn't know about this form, didn't know That the organization was supposed to file Form 990 on an annual basis. They moved at least twice within three years, didn't tell the state that they were moving. So the state and IRS were sending them forms at their old address. They never ever got the notices for filing Form 990 or any of their other forms. And by the time the IRS finally caught up with them, so to speak, or you know, there was finally an acknowledgement of this new address, they were on the verge of losing tax exempt status. So the lesson learned there is make sure that if your registered agent changes, if your address for the organization changes to file this form. Now, in the event that your registered agent resigns, you know, it it might be somebody on the board, it might be your executive director, or for whatever reason, they resign from the organization or from that duty where they have to file the forms, then you have to notify your state that that person has resigned and then let them know who the new person is. All right, the next form is the nonprofit annual report. And if you're in the state of Illinois, this report is filed with the Secretary of State. And, you know, be careful not to download the annual report for for profit organizations. There's one specifically for the nonprofit organizations. And this form basically wants to get a sense for, you know, whether or not your information is still current, you know, your current corporate name, who your registered agent is, uh, where your office is and who your board members are. All right. And this form is due a month before your anniversary. So if your organization was founded in March, then your annual report is due before the end of February. All right? And and it's really really critical that you file this form. If you don't file this form, the secretary of state can dissolve you involuntarily. There are organizations that I know of that are out there raising money and they didn't realize that their organization was dissolved. You know, at the same time, you know, they may have tax exempt status. You know, the IRS doesn't know that this organization has been dissolved. So it's conceivable that your organization could be in good standing with the IRS. But, you know, as far as the state is concerned, you're dissolved, you don't exist. So if that happens to you, if your organization is involuntarily Dissolve. make sure you call the secretary of state and do what you need to do in order to bring that current. And usually what that means is um, paying any penalties that are due and filing annual reports for every year that you missed. All right. Another form people forget or don't even know they have to file is form UI1, which basically um, lets the state know that you're you're around, so to speak. So you really should do this when your organization starts. And even if your organization has never filed this form and you've been humming right along, I suggest that you do this form because um, UI1 is the form that Helps the state to understand what unemployment taxes you need to be paying. And nonprofits have to pay unemployment taxes, even though they're a nonprofit, because they have employees and they're subject to payroll taxes as well. So you would complete this form. And you should also know that for nonprofits, you don't have to pay unemployment taxes until you have four employees. However, I suggest that you not wait until you have four employees because usually it takes a while to be able to get to the point where you have five, four employees and then you will probably have forgotten and you don't want the state to remind you that you need to be paying unemployment taxes. All right. So this is a copy of the quarterly contribution and wage report. That's the form UI 340, and you have to again uh, file that no later than the last day of the month following the end of the quarter. So you do this, you know, at the same time that you're filing your your payroll taxes, right? So so basically, what you're doing is you're indicating, you know, who is on your payroll and how much you paid them. Nonprofit organizations and local government entities which elected to make payments in lieu of contribution must file the contribution and wage report quarterly even though contributions are not required. All right, so when you hire new people, you've got to make sure that you report that to the state And that needs to happen within 20 days of adding the employee. And you can fax that information in. And what the state is looking for is the name, address, social security number, and hiring date. And then for, that's for the individual. And then for you as the employer, they're looking for the name, address, and your federal tax ID number. All right. So again, as with anything else, there's a penalty for late filing. So if you don't file your quarterly contribution wage report on time, you end up paying anywhere from fifty dollars to $5,000. And the unpaid balances accrue interest at 2% per month. And in some cases, you know, this is a case-by-case basis. You can negotiate a waiver such that you don't have to pay penalty and interest. And this is probably you know, for smaller organizations that really honestly made a mistake and didn't realize that this was required. You have to apply for a waiver within 30 days of the date that you get a notice from IDES. And when we're talking about notice, this is a late notice. And you have to also show a good reason that you were late and then you have to pay the full amount of past due contributions. So you can get waiver for your penalties and interest if it's approved, but regardless you have to pay the past contributions. And IDES is going to audit you, you know, just to make sure that your payroll is what you say it is. So you need to keep your payroll records for five years because you don't know when that audit is gonna be. And check this out. You are personally liable if you are a board member or you could be, I don't wanna say you are, you could be personally responsible to pay if you're a board member of this organization or your employee who has the responsible responsibility for completing these forms, all right? So the Unemployment Insurance Act was recently amended to provide for the personal liability of any officer or employee of an employer who has control, supervision or responsibility for filing of reports or the payment of contributions, payment in lieu of contributions, penalties or interest for the employer and who willfully, you know, so we know what you're doing, right? Fails to file the reports or to make the payments. So that's a pretty harsh penalty. So for those of you who are considering going on boards, realize, you know, that's one of the potential liabilities for being a board member. So if an employer Fails to file a report or fails to pay any contributions, payments in lieu of contributions, penalties, or interest on time, the department will be looking to the corporate officers and other responsible individuals for payment. So if your organization doesn't pay, then you, the people you know who are responsible for making sure these forms are done, you have to pay. And if you don't pay, then the state could put liens on your house, your car, your boats, and any other property. They could even put a levy on your personal bank account, which means that you go to the bank one day and think you're going to make a withdrawal to pay for lunch and you won't be able to get access to your account because the state has put a lien on it. All right. So you can go to ids.illinois.gov taxes, and reporting to find out more information. And if you're not from the state of Illinois, you need to check this out with your own state. And then when we look at um, benefits to workers, you know, workers have to have earned at least $1,600 in wages during a 12-month period in order to qualify for benefits. So this would be benefits like Unemployment or workers' comp. At least four hundred forty dollars of the sixteen hundred has to been earned during quarters other than the one in which earnings are the highest. So what they'll do is they'll look at um, five quarters. The one that's the highest, they'll throw that out and look at the remaining four quarters, and then use that to determine if at least four hundred were earned in some period other than the quarter where it was the highest. All right, workers who have been awarded temporary total disability benefits may have their base period determined differently. So you need to call your IDES office and talk to them about your particular situation. Workers may be ineligible for benefits if they quit a job without good cause, if they're discharged for misconduct, or are involved in a labor dispute. Benefits can also be discontinued due to physical inability to work, failure to adequately search for work, if you have a mental inability to work, or if you're just not available to work. If you're eligible, you can get up to 25 weeks of regular benefits during the year for unemployment. And in this time of COVID-19, those have been extended. So again, <coughs> excuse me, during periods of high unemployment, additional weeks can be authorize and this depends on the amount of your wages earned during the base period and that's normal times but with covid-19 there are specific amounts all right all right so i'm done if there are any questions any comments that you have um just put them in the chat box i am about to To check them. Okay, this is a great question, Janice. I hope you're still with us. Um, And hold on just a minute. Let me, I want to get rid of that. Yeah, Janice, I hope you're still with us so that you can hear my answer. I have a compliance calendar. It's not an automated thing, but it is a worksheet where people can fill out all the forms that they need to complete and they can indicate who's responsible and when. So I have a checklist of all the forms that people need to complete and they could also put that on their calendar and then put a system in place where they know who to file and when and one thing people could do is you know put the little notices on their emails to remind them you know when these forms should in fact be filled out all right are there any other any questions any other comments All right, Janice. Thank you so much for that. Um, if you're still with us, I will wait another minute or so to see if you have any comments, any questions. In the meantime, I encourage you to join Nonprofit Utopia. We're the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. All right. So you can join us at nonprofitutopia.mn.co. We have monthly themes. We focus on things that are of interest to nonprofit leaders, things like board development, you know, fundraising, anything to help you to increase the effectiveness of your leadership of your organization. Again, you can join us at nonprofitutopia.com. That mn.co. I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. I want to encourage you to like and share this video and let other people know the importance of filing these forms on time. It could save you lots of time, lots of headache in the long run. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.